but I, I have this definition uh, of networking of, of literally just investing in your community. And that's how you build genuine relationships. Like you said, being a person, being a real person, just participating, not making it all about you and, uh, and just being there consistently. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone. Or you can connect with me on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. I would love for you to be a part of our Daily Creative Habit online community found over on Facebook. It is free and it is filled with people who are creators of all types and everyone there wants to show up more consistently so that they can produce better work and get that work out into the world. Whether it's for a hobby or for profession, we are creators and we need each other. And so this is a great community to be able to come alongside each other, encourage each other, learn from each other. And I want to extend that to you. Simply go to dailycreativehabit.com. You will see some resources there and you can click on join the Facebook group. I also want to point out that you can sign up for the Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. It's absolutely free. No one loves to get more and more email. Believe me, I'm in that camp too. But you certainly don't mind it when you get something of value. And that's what I believe that the Daily Creative Habit email newsletter is. It is valuable because I'm sharing all sorts of resources and ideas and creative prompts that can help you on your creative journey. So go to dailycreativehabit.com for that as well. And lastly, I want to invite you to grab a copy of my new book, Make Fun a Habit. And you can go to makefunahabit.com where I've set up all sorts of resources there as well. There is a fun Spotify playlist that is free. There are free coloring pages you can download as well as free Mad Lib types, uh, fill in the blank, uh, I call them fun libs. And um, there are also some other resources there available for you as well as links to get a signed copy of the book in either paperback or hardcover. Or if you wish, you can also order it from amazon.com. Go to makefunahabit.com and grab your copy today. I'm excited to bring to you today an episode with my friend James Quick. And James and I met at a conference called That Conference, which is a tech conference uh, back in uh, the summer. And we uh, just hit it off and had some great conversation then in person and we're able to kind of pick up again uh, on this episode. And James is a software developer, keynote speaker, content creator. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a very talented guy. And it's not just the tech stuff. He also is wired for uh, relationships, for building community. And so we talk about the importance of the community aspect and um, networking. And later on in the episode, we also talk about AI. And I get to ask James just his opinion on what he thinks about some of the AI controversies that are going on, especially as creators. Uh, you know, there is kind of two camps, usually one that is uh, afraid and is saying that AI is going to take all of our jobs. And the other, which is to embrace it wholeheartedly and just, 
you know, learn to, to grow with the times. And so I posed that question to him. So be sure to listen in on that if you want to glean some insights and somebody who's uh, in the thick of it. So uh, without further ado, here is my creative chat with James Quick. Well, James, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast, man. I'm so excited you're here today. Hey, hey thanks for having me. Dude, it's been so good to see you just even like last month. Was it wasn't last mm-hmm. month or a couple yeah, weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, yeah, not that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Nashville. And uh, obviously prior to that, when we when we met uh, at that conference. And so um, I just love just seeing what you're, you've got your hand in. And I'm excited about today's uh, conversation because I get to dive a little bit deeper and find out some more of your story. And uh, I know people today are going to be just thrilled to hear it as well. Um, so by way of saying thanks for being here, welcome. Um, why don't you just give us that little soundbite, right? Of like when people say, hey, who are you? What do you do? What, what's your answer to that? Yeah, I guess predominantly I'm a content creator in the web development space. Um, so I've had a few different roles. Most of my roles in the past have been uh, like evangelism or advocacy, where a lot of it's speaking at conferences and creating workshops and creating content, and then had been doing content on the side for several years along the way and have been doing it full time for myself now for uh, like a year and a half. So I still spend the majority of my time doing content, go to conferences like we saw each other in Wisconsin back in the summer. And um, anyway, just do a lot of community stuff and, and try to make it a lot of fun. Yeah, love that. Um, and I love that you you do it in such a way that you just invite so many people in along aside you and just man, I, I love just seeing the, the community, like you said, that's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm sure that this wasn't something that was on your radar as far as like as you were kind of coming up right and learning your skills and, and in your journey. I'm, I, I don't think that this would be something that most people would even think would be a job, right? Would yeah. be something that you could do. So like, how did that even come into the conversation? Was it something you stumbled upon this kind of idea or or was there an opportunity? Like what happened? A little bit of both, depending on like where in the journey you're talking about. So okay. yeah, I have a computer science degree in college and there's a lot of like companies and stuff recruiting on a campus and they're all recruiting basically for the same type of job, a software, like a, a entry level software engineer role. And I didn't know anything more than that. And so uh, Microsoft was on campus and I uh, ended up interviewing for a software engineering role, which I like didn't get, like didn't even make it past the phone screen. But they liked me enough to then ask me about another role, which was a technical account manager. And I actually flew out to DC, like in college. This was a big deal getting paid to like fly to DC and they rented me a car and stayed in a hotel and all the things. And had final interviews in this building with like 30 or 40 other people. And maybe they were hiring 10 people. I don't know. Um, And what was really awkward is I didn't get that. And then uh, they sent everybody that didn't get the job back to the hotel in a limo, which like should be this like really cool moment of getting to ride a limo and feeling like a big deal or whatever. But it was literally just like a bunch of people that were really sad (laughs) about not getting hired. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so after that, the recruiter came back to me and said, like, basically, like, we, we're still really interested in you. We have this role called a technical evangelist, which at the time was not very popular of a name. And I had no idea what that was. And most of the world would have had no idea what that was. But it was Microsoft. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in whatever that is. And um, interviewed for that role and ended up getting it. And that's where I started my career. And it was a combination of all the things that I've said so far. So I learned to, like, speak at events and give presentations and go to conferences and build communities and give workshops. I worked a lot with like university and high school students and some startups and 
it was really, really cool. It was such a good combination of the technical side of like the things I've learned, but also just like the people skills and the professional develop or professional skills and like community build, like all these things that you wouldn't have gotten. I wouldn't have gotten had I went into like a traditional software engineering role. And so I did that for three years, ended up moving back to Memphis, worked for FedEx, doing regular software engineering uh, for a few years. And that's when I realized that I missed doing the things I'd done before. I missed being at conferences. I missed being like in the community. And so I found a role, a developer advocate role where I could do that and get paid for it. That's what I wanted to do. So I might as well get paid to do it. And after starting doing that, really kind of took my personal stuff more seriously. And I started to look at like right now or at the time, it was like an opportunity to make money and have fun on the side, right? And, and grow a brand and like those sort of things. And then as I, I kind of got better at that, I started to actually think about this could be a possibility of me doing this full time. And it was a, a year and a half ago where I got let go for my job. Uh, they basically went in a different direction, like let go of like over half of the marketing department. And at that point, I'd already been thinking about going full time doing content. And um, I knew I could make money. I'd already like made money that year. I, and I just figured like, if I did this full time, just think about what else I would be able to to do. And anyway, that was what became my opportunity to now do it full time. So to go back to the original question, did I know this was a, a, a possibility? Early on? No, like I had no thought of building a brand or a channel or like nothing. None of that ever crossed my mind. After um, taking a break, coming back to it and doing it for a while and kind of seeing the response from people that enjoyed my content, then I started to really take it seriously. And now I get to do it, do it full time a few years later, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering, is there like something that you recognized in yourself that set you apart from others who might be, you know, in, in the engineering space, right? Because typically I think, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about software engineering, but I would think that there's a lot of similarities between even like me coming from a visual arts background or even design. It's someone who basically is like, okay, I'm in the zone by myself doing my thing yeah. and in, involved in my task. And that's a very different thing to then take some, that person out of that environment and then put them in a more social, you know, yeah. relational setting and to be able to thrive in that setting. So did you know that that was something that like, was how you were wired that you would thrive in that? Or was that kind of a surprise to you as well? Uh, multiple different perspectives. I, I've always felt like I've been a pretty social person. So I, I, I am kind of the definition of an extrovert where I get energy from being around other people. The opposite of that introvert is like you get energy recharging by yourself. And I have moments of like needing my alone time sometimes, but I really enjoy being around people. I even had a tagline like very early in my career when I built one of my first websites and it was the social technologist because it's it's not the thing that you usually see. You think of like software developers as being locked in a dungeon and they don't want to talk to people and they like they're just they're there eight hours a day and then they're they're done or whatever. And uh, I, I think I go back to like I didn't know that those types of this type of role that I ended up getting existed like no one did because you, you get people recruited on campus and they're hiring for the things that they have the most roles for which in my case for computer science was just software engineering. So I just didn't know. I never, it never crossed my mind. Like I think had I gone into a traditional software engineering role from the start, like I would have probably had some of those natural skills of, of, of collaboration and being able to communicate and those sort of things. But launching into the career and the position I had really like extended that to the point where when I went to the traditional software engineering role at FedEx in Memphis, 
I had the I, I could do the technical side, but I had this really strong. I call it my superpower at the time when I reflect on it is my voice. Like I was able to communicate, whether it be to upper management, to non-technical people about technical problems, et cetera. Um, so anyway, um, I, I, it never crossed my mind. Like I never had this like idea of I'm super social. I had to find a way to like incorporate that in my job. Luckily it worked out in, in probably the best way possible. Like I can't imagine a better way for me to have started my career and to open up the visibility and opportunities for the things that I see and do now. But I never, I never knew at the time uh, that that was something um, that I that I would be able to combine. And I think things that I have been good at just naturally, I like, I it's easy, it's easier for me to talk on camera than it is to write a blog post, for example. Like blog posts are much harder for me. Talking on camera has been relatively easy, and that's helped me just stay consistent with content, which I think has been a big, big part of my success. Mm, yeah. So speaking of content, like what type of content are you putting out there for people and like how is it that you're you're being inspired to to create this content yeah the biggest thing is youtube so i have done a youtube video per week with the exception of six weeks maybe or something like that over the course of two or three years and that that has always and all the content that i've done that's been my number one priority that's been the thing that has grown that's been the thing that has led to opportunities that's been the biggest thing for me is, is specifically YouTube. So typically do like tutorial type content. Here's how you do a thing or kind of thought leadership piece or like career advice type things. Those are a couple of different categories. I also spend a lot of time on Twitter. People, when we think content creation, we don't necessarily think of Twitter. Twitter doesn't like resonate in that way, but Twitter is a very strategic thing. Like the people that I'm connected to on Twitter, the amount of value that I can put out into the community through Twitter is super strong. I also, I haven't done this since we had our, our child, um, our daughter, Jamie, back in May. I haven't done TikTok since then, but I, I did do TikTok for a while. And I think right now I'm not doing it, just trying to really prioritize my time because there's there's so many things we could be doing. I imagine a lot of people struggle with this, that we try to do too many. And so I'm taking a step back from TikTok. Um, but video content is my biggest thing. Uh, I do live streams, also have a podcast myself. And then lastly, another thing that I'm really looking to grow is course launches. So I launched a course a month and a half, maybe two months ago at this point, time flies. Uh, but that was a really good first course I've done in a while and first course being full time. And I kind of want to go through the cycle of every six to eight months, launch a new course and just continue to get better and better at that process because there's a lot of, you can provide a lot of value for people that way. And you can also make a lot of money, which is really nice from like a kind of a one-time asset. So anyway, those are the kind of different categories of pieces of content that I typically do. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure that that has come through time of experimenting and testing and figuring out like, okay, what is it ex what is it that I want to say? And mm -hmm. then what's resonating with people, right? What's helpful for people? Yeah. Um, if somebody's listening and they're thinking to themselves, you know, okay, well, first off, social media seems like a necessary evil, right? Um, I'm going to engage, I'm going to do the things that I need to do. But maybe they're thinking like, hey, uh, this can be an asset for me. This can mm -hmm. be something like you just said, you know, where it gives me a platform to be able to connect with people, to share some things. Like what advice would you give to somebody who's listening right now is thinking, okay, I need to up my game a little bit and be more strategic with this. Like, where do you start with that? How do you, how do you formulate even a plan? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is always just consistency. And if you think about like building a brand, maybe like maybe that's somebody's goal is, is I want to build a brand of being this person. Well, you really have to figure out like 
what is that person and what type of knowledge are you looking to share and just consistently share that type of content. And so whether that's web development for me or whether that's design or creativity or like whatever that is for people, stay consistent in that. And you'll, you'll, you'll kind of, like you said, see what people respond to and iterate on that and get better, et cetera. But most people take the fear of getting started and the fear of it being hard to prevent them from actually getting started. Right. I think that's the, the best thing I've done is just like, I didn't have the fear for whatever reason of getting started and it enabled me to just do it over the course of several years. So I would just recommend staying consistent and sharing. There's also the other aspect of not just sharing, but also like participating in other people's things, whatever that is. So if you're on Twitter and you want to be known for web development and you see other people posting about web development, comment on those things in a supportive way in a like, here's some other things, here's some other resource, like whatever it is, be a part of those conversations. There's one of my favorite TV shows is New Girl. It's like New Girl and Scrubs are my two favorite yeah, shows of all time. Yeah. And <laughs> New Girl has this uh, episode where they're going to a wedding and just the main character is like trying to find a guy. And she finds a guy, but then there's another woman who's really interested in him. And she's looking for advice from her friend to like get his attention. And I think they call it the Biden at the time. But basically the advice is like, just be there. Like everywhere he goes, be there. If he goes to the dance floor, be there. If he goes to the bar, be there. If he goes, and then there's a bathroom scene, which gets a little weird, but like just showing up. Right. And so the same thing I think applies of if you want to be known for something, go find those communities, find where those people are and be there consistently show up and participate and comment, ask questions, provide value to people. And you just never know like how quickly that sort of stuff can kind of ramp up how much, how many networks or relationships that you can build. And, and maybe you do build a brand that's enough to do something with whether it's on the side or full time or whatever it is. But I always say for myself, like my brand is, is the most valuable asset I will ever own every, everything that I'm able to do from in my career, from, this point on and for the past several years is heavily influenced by the brand that I've been able to create by earning trust in the community. Yeah. So yeah, make it easy for yourself, do something you enjoy, find that thing and then just show up and be there. Yeah. You know, and I love that you, you point out it's being conversational, right? Cause I think so many people go into it thinking announcement, right? Like mm -hmm. I have content, I have something I want to say. And so yeah. I'm just going to drop it and then go. And it's like, that doesn't work in real life. Like, why yeah. would you think that that would work online? You know, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't. Um, <laughs> and so much, it's much better to be in those conversations, like you said, offering value and, and, and not in a way that's like, I'm going to drop into this conversation and try to like steer it One or whatever, or, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But just like, be a person, be helpful, yeah. you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Right. Go back to the golden rule. I mean, really <laughs> kind of simple. Yeah. There's, there's also the other aspect of networking. And I, I really hate the connotation that comes along with networking. And, and I don't really like the word because of the connotation. And the connotation is is very sterile and cold. And you're just like introducing yourself to figure out what somebody can do for you type thing. But I, I have this definition uh, of networking of, of literally just investing in your community, basically what I just said for the same reasons. And that's how you build genuine relationships. Like you said, being a person, being a real person, just participating, not making it all about you and uh, and just being there consistently. So I think sometimes I think that is helpful to kind of take some of the pressure off when we talk about networking, where it doesn't have to be the cold, sterile thing. Just show up, just be there yeah. and participate. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Uh, I want to ask you a question about content creation in terms of like, 
maybe a little bit of your process. So like, are you someone who you get some ideas and and map that out first? Or are you someone who really is more like, hey, we're going to do it live, we're gonna do it in the moment and kind of make it more organic? Like, do you lean one way or another? Uh, I'm typically much more organic. And if you look at if you look at several years of content for me, it was it's pretty simple. Like I, I don't do a lot of editing. I don't I don't script things. I don't do a whole lot. And and I had a lot of success doing that. I think I'm seeing less success with that recently. Like I'm actually kind of going through this, like not a, not a midlife crisis, but like figuring out where I am in the YouTube space because the stats have just been down and I'm trying to figure out why. So now I'm trying to spend more time being really intentional about openings and how to keep people's attention and paying attention to their drop off, right? Like when do they stop watching and how to keep the energy level high so that they do stick around and watch. So I'm, I'm spending more time doing that, which means a little more time scripting to a certain extent, at least kind of the intro to make sure I really nail those things. Uh, but my personality is definitely more of the the wing it personality than the over-prepared. Uh, but it, it's definitely a mix, right? And I've changed and evolved, I think, as a content creator, as I've done more. And now, again, I do like more preparation but I'm still um, a lot less probably polished than a lot of the creators people might see. Although I see a lot of creators that also just do live streams and they take clips from that and post them on YouTube and they do really well and it's completely raw. Um, so yeah, I think it. some of it is just finding out individually what resonates with people who watch your content. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in terms of like when you're creating something, you getting the most value for yourself out of the process, like is it in the figuring out what you're going to say, like the, the, the material that you're going to present, or is it in the, like in the execution or is it in the actual and delivery and connection with a person at the end? You know what I mean by that? Like there, there are several points in the creation process that sometimes people identify more with and go, you know, that's what really drives me. That's what really mm. makes me show up and want to do more and more and more. Yeah. Of it. Like where would you fall in that spectrum of things? Yeah. The, the thing I've realized about myself that I, I never, I had never thought about is I love to teach. It's it's actually pretty simple. So every everything that I do comes from a place of loving to teach people. I never I never wanted to be a teacher. I never like my sister when she was little would like line up teddy bears and like teach them. <laughs> and that that was never me. That was not something I thought about. But the more I created content, I realized that I was I was teaching people things. And when they respond to that and they they say thank you, first of all, like appreciation is 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 super nice. But then you go another step forward and you, and you hear people that say something like, I've watched five videos on this topic and it's not till I heard your voice that it really clicked for me. Those sort of things are really game changing and motivating for me. And, and I, one of the things I'll talk about is some people kind of judge the idea of people wanting to have more views or subscribers, et cetera. Like that's a bad thing. And the reality is like, that's not a bad thing at all. It's completely natural for us to, to, to want to have an audience of people who care about the things we're saying. That also means that many more people that you can ideally positively impact. Now, some of that comes with some negativity, but that's for me, greatly outweighed by the positivity. And so the more reach your content has, the more opportunities you have for those comments to say, thank you. It clicked for me. I figured this out now. Now I can go do this other thing. Now I feel more confident going to an interview, whatever those are. Those are the things that always make it well worth the time invested. Give me a lot of motivation. Give me a lot of inspiration to continue to do more. And it all comes from, again, something I never thought about, which is that I, the fact that I love to teach. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned inspiration and I'm curious, like, 
Are there certain people or places that you find inspiration regularly that help you develop your content? Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> I spend I spend a lot of time on Twitter, um, and I, I love to kind of call this out because people, like uh, I would say, it's a big part of my job, and and that sounds kind of ridiculous for Twitter to be a big part of my job. But the networking, the relationships, the people I then go get to meet at, at conferences. But then just seeing what other people are doing is is really fantastic. The, the, the new technologies that they're talking about, how they talk about it, their opinions, all those things factor in. I run a Discord community called Learn, Build, Teach, which I get a lot of inspiration from for the same reasons people, we have a share channel where people just share. I created this video, I created this blog post, I created this thing. Those are always super inspirational for me. I look at a lot of other YouTube channels in, in similar spaces and outside of the space that I'm in as well for inspiration of things that they do. And we also have a programming YouTubers Discord group, which is, is so amazing. So I'm kind of like a medium-sized channel. And there's anything from, you know, 500 subscribers up to like 5 million subscribers, the people that are in this channel. And they're all super open and honest and transparent and give advice and, and feedback and, and all those kinds of things. That makes a big difference for me as well. So I would say I'm pretty like tapped into the community across multiple different platforms. And that makes a big difference uh, virtually. And then also just going to conferences. Every time I go to a conference, I get to see people either for the first time that I've connected with on Twitter, or I've done this enough now that I've met them at previous conferences. And now this is like a once every six months getting to be in the same room with each other. And those sort of connections and relationships are super special. But also, again, to the original question, super inspirational just to see there's so many amazing people that are doing amazing things. Hear them talk about those get me excited about the stuff that I'm doing, give me ideas for things that I haven't been doing, maybe give me ideas for things that I'm doing that I don't need to do anymore and I can prioritize something else. But being around just smart, talented, ambitious, creative people is very, very inspirational for me. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would think that because of relationships and because of technology, those are two areas where it's very difficult to reach the bottom of things where you're like, okay, everything's dried up, right? <laughs> because things change so quickly. Um, and it, I would love to get your opinion and your your insights on just when it comes to creating AI, right? So AI, it's like a loaded thing, right? Depending upon who you talk to, some people are like, they're coming for us, you know, the <laughs> end is near and they're taking away our jobs. And, you know, AI, especially with creativity, it's, it's, it's robbing and you know, stripping things away. And there are other people who are like, hey, you need to be in and using AI and understanding how to use it because otherwise you're going to get left behind. And this is already becoming a, a part of the things of how we do things. And so learn how to use it as an asset. Don't be afraid of it. Like, where do you fall in the spectrum of things like that? Are you using AI? And if so, how? Yeah, I'm definitely more of an optimist on the AI front. And there's there's a few different reasons because the things that people fear for the most part, are, are not new situations. People fear like AI taking over and replacing jobs. Uh, like I, my perspective is developer jobs, but basically any industry. And the reality is that's not any different than any other major invention that we've ever had in mankind, right? Like you take the telephone. I don't, I don't know who's like people's job, I guess, was to write letters for people and deliver them more. So like some of their jobs would have gone away when we had the telephone, right? It's not... It's not really different in that regard at a high level to just major innovations that we've had in the past. And I think if, you're, if your fear is that if you don't embrace AI, you're going to get left behind, I think part of that's true. And But that's also still what's been true for a long time with any major invention. Like if you 
if you try to hold out and you try to make a business, keep a business like Blockbuster doing renting DVDs and VHSs, and then Netflix comes around and Hulu does streaming and all these things. If you don't adapt, you're going to get left behind. So it's not it's not just AI that's bringing around these like hesitations or fears or or changing the way that we do things. It's it's every major invention has been that way. And so I think the people who are naturally interested, the people who are naturally curious, the people who are naturally kind of willing to adapt are obviously going to be successful during whatever and whenever the transition is and looks like. And the people who are really opposed to that are, are going to struggle. But again, that's been the case for, I would I would say, the history of mankind. Because as we go through inventions and technological changes, we have to adapt with it. So I think that fear kind of goes away. I think I, I also have talked about this, the Jevons paradox, which is really interesting as I did a talk on AI. And it says basically like if, if you fear that something else being able to do your job faster means your, go, your job going away, what if you look at it a different way and say like, if I if all I can envision now is our ability to build X, that's what we're capable of building right now. And you say AI steps in, AI can build X for me. Well, now that it opens up me to be able to think way beyond X, right? Like now the, the horizon just got that much bigger because we have these tools at our disposal to build more and do more than we ever have before. So it may not be that it just replaces our job. It may just do a lot of our job, which then enables us to do so much more. So as a whole, we're able to build and innovate exponentially more than we were in the past. And I thought that was a really interesting take on kind of fighting the doomsday, like all of our jobs are going away mentality. And the last piece, the short of it is, it doesn't happen overnight either. Like the fear of AI replacing jobs. Yeah, jobs are going to look different over the course of time because of AI. Parts of jobs are going to go away. Absolutely. But it's not like it happens tomorrow. It's it, it's not going to happen next week. Like this is going to be a gradual thing. Again, like any other transition we've gone through. So I think there's lots to figure out from a legal and ethical perspective. I think that's probably the the most intimidating and, and maybe scary part. But it, it just replacing our jobs overnight. I just don't think that's that's the case. And I don't think it's the the kind of thing where if you don't know AI tomorrow, you're gonna get you're gonna be without a job. Like it, it's going to be a gradual thing. So I just encourage people to. Be curious, pay attention to trends in the industry, learn where you can and continue to evolve your skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I think really a, a lot of this is the the base is people who, who really don't want change. Mm -hmm. And right now, the flavor of change looks like this. There have yeah. been other things in the past. Um, and I think if this can be something that can encourage someone to be flexible, like you said, and be open and curious and adaptable. That's those are the people who are going to survive no matter what, because they're always looking for how can I use what's around me to my benefit and to bring value and to get better and not see everything as a threat, because this is the way that it's been. This is the way it's always been. Or this is what I've done. This is what I've always done. Like there is no set it and forget it. Um, those are the people who are going to be left behind, uh, regardless of if, if it's AI or not, you know, I think, um, it's, it's learning that skill of adaptability. That's huge. Um, so in, in terms of like your own personal use with AI, like, what does that look like? Are there things that you're, you're incorporating into your content creation on a regular basis? Yeah. So I actually get the talk I gave over the summer in Wisconsin was about AI. And I kind of started off by talking about how I felt like a, um, a scam or like a, a fraud is, is what I, I phrased it as. And 
the reason was the the pitch that I sent in for that talk and the title of that talk was at least partially generated by AI. <laughs> and so I use AI a lot to just help with to kind of creativity to get the juices flowing on whatever I'm thinking about. So for me, for that talk, it was, hey, AI, like generate 10 different talks or titles for a talk that's talking about the impact of AI on developer experience. And it gave me a few. And then I said, all right, write up a description of a talk about blah, blah, blah. And it gave me a thing. And if you look at like the end result of what I ended up with, it's very different from what it just gave me. So I'm not just copying things from AI, but I am using it as a source of inspiration. And I do that a lot. I, I added questions of the week in my Discord server and all of those were generated by AI. I said, give me 50 questions based on these topics. And I threw them into a database and every week it like automatically posts a new question, which I think is pretty cool. So there's a lot of just like, creativeness, just give me ideas of things to do. I, I, I ask it for ideas for content, for example, for titles, for content, stuff like that. So there's a lot of that. There's also specifically in the, the programming space, it can do a lot. You can use it to, to generate a lot of code for you, to solve problems for you, to answer questions. So I use that a lot as well. I'm not the person who knows how AI works behind the scenes. I'm not the person who knows the details of a um, LLM and all the other acronyms and all these things. That's not me. That's not my background. I'm just kind of your regular person using it and seeing the impact of it and enjoying it. And so basically anything that I can come up with that I think it could either give me a good answer or just put some things out there to give me something to think about. It's, it's the equivalent of me just talking to my wife who doesn't code and say like, Hey, if I'm doing this and I have this problem, why is this not working? She has no idea what I'm talking about, but she'll make something up. And then just by like nature of talking about it and hearing and like getting ideas, I, I often make progress, which seems very counterintuitive. But uh, anyway, so I just, I use it as bouncing ideas, giving me ideas, at augmenting ideas. And then from a developer perspective, like actually writing a pretty good amount of code, which is really useful. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, just echo that as far as the getting even like a skeleton of something right an outline or getting ideas for like you said you know give me 10 headlines for an email subject line or or for a topic for uh you know podcast or whatever like getting things so that you're not starting from scratch because there's so much energy involved in trying to figure some things out with that level that you can then actually reserve that energy for more of the creation process of, okay, yeah, here's the actual exactly. idea. Now I can really go full out on this and make it more mine put my fingerprints on it. Um, it's, it's this conversation starters, I think that are really helpful. Um, yeah. and you know, and, and like you, you know, I've learned to adapt into using these things, even with the creation of this podcast and helping with some of the show notes and the titles and things. Yeah. Um, and even my email newsletter, because, you know, I, I enjoy writing, but I want to write about things that are like my personal stories and observations and things. I don't want to spend it on like, you know, more of the, the marketing copy type stuff. Right. Like that's not where I, I want to spend my time. Right. Um, yep. So, you know, it's an interesting thing for sure. And it will continue to evolve. And, and um, I'm sure there'll be some interesting applications as we move on. Um, but as we're, we're kind of like coming around to the top of our time, I, I would love to just ask you to like, is there something that you're thinking like, hey, here's something I would really love to do, maybe really love to create that I have yet to do. And what would that look like? Yeah, it, it actually goes back to something that you helped introduce me to, which was the app back at um, in Wisconsin, where you um, you like take a selfie with someone and you get their information and you can send them the selfie and now you're kind of connected. And 
I was thinking about that. There were some things that I would do differently with that application because it was asking for like phone number, or email, which are a little more personal than what I typically do, which is like Twitter or LinkedIn, that sort of thing. And I was thinking about like tracking experiences at conferences from an individual's perspective. So how do I track like who have I talked to, maybe tagging them with certain like keywords or whatever, follow up information, et cetera. But then also from a company perspective, because a lot of companies show up and in the developer relations space, which is where I've spent years of, of my career, you show up to a conference, you may or may not sponsor with a booth, you talk to a bunch of people. But how do you really communicate and track that impact and do follow up and things like that? So I kind of been thinking about how to get more out of that. And so it would be similar to like a, a CRM type thing, customer relationship manager, I guess. I don't I don't know exactly what CRM stands for. I think that's something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But specifically for events and specifically for developer relations teams, which again is where I have the experience. So that's part of it. The other thing is building tools. And I'm actually kind of working on some of this now building tools to help uh, leverage the content, vi video content that you may record at a conference. And so people are doing a lot of these TikTok style videos where you go in and record like, hey, tell me what's your job and how much do you make type thing. Salary Street is a very famous, very popular TikTok channel that does just that. That's all they do. But it's really interesting and people love it. And so I've done these like small interviews with people where I ask them like five questions and I want to build some tools that will automatically parse out the question and answer snippets, tag them, sort them, organize, like just tools around organizing and getting more out of that. The other thing that could be really useful is talking about AI is to get the transcripts of those and then store them in a vector a database that supports vector, which is the ability to store, um, text in a way that is searchable through AI. I can't explain it better than that because I don't know it more intimately than that. But basically, it allows you to kind of wrap that data with an AI layer and to query it because the vector storage allows relationships or whatever. I don't know. And so it'd be really cool is for that content to be searchable. So we could add not only search to the content from words that people actually say, but also like related words. So if you if you were to search like England and someone says England, hey, it'll pop up. But what if you want to search like the UK? Well, it's not in the transcript. So if you're just doing like a specific match or a fuzzy match, it wouldn't pick it up. But what if it has uh, AI around, like has these, these correlations that it can draw? That could work. So search would be really cool for that. Also, you potentially have the ability to build like a dashboard to see like if you give people the option of, hey, you're a blah, blah, blah. Would you choose one, two, three or four? You could build like a dashboard around those answers. Like you use the transcript to get all the answers from those questions and then build up a dashboard. So now you go back to your company, you say, all right, we interviewed 50 people, X number of people said they use this, X number of people use this. That other company, our competitor, they like them a lot more. We need to be figuring out like what they like about that company and how to target that. So I've got a whole list of ideas of things to incorporate with that. What I'm doing right now is building tools to help split individual videos. And I wanna ultimately get into like the bigger uh, dashboard type thing. Mm, yeah. Wow, that's pretty huge. Um, <laughs> that's a you lot, know, yeah. I, I love that there are guys like you who who see these things, who who understand them uh, on a deeper level. And really, it sounds like it's driven a lot by like just asking some questions of like what's possible in here um, yeah. and and solving some problems. Right. Being practical about some things um, and then going like, OK, they're using the technology, using some of the, the systems that are there, building on top of some things like what can we do and how can we improve things? Um, 
And I, I love that because there are, there's probably a large segment of population who doesn't really think like that, doesn't really engage with that. They simply are the beneficiaries of the products and things mm -hmm. and services yeah. that people, you know, think up. And so I love that we can shine a light on that right now and say, yeah, you know what, like there are people creating these things, these moments and these services and these technologies that um, are doing so with intention and looking to serve, looking to solve some problems so that we can all benefit from that. Even if you have no idea what any of the technical terms are or nor have any interest in that, you can still be a benefit, uh, you know, get benefit from that. And so um, I love that. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I've actually had a, a quote about that exact same mindset of going from a consumer to a producer. A consumer just takes, they just use what's there. But a producer then looks at like, okay, here's what's there. Here's what I could do better. Or here's an idea that hasn't been done that I could create. And I think as a developer, that's the, the, the coolest thing about what we do is we can use software to solve a lot of problems. Like some, some problems need physical things, right? But, but we can do so much as developers, especially as the world becomes like more and more technologically advanced. So yeah, I am, I have had that epiphany and to be able to provide that for other people to transform them from consumers to producers is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, we're at the top of our time today, believe it or not. Um, and I feel like I could talk to you forever, uh, especially with all this stuff that's like outside my norm a little bit, but it's so interesting. I love that uh, you're just so free with sharing your experiences and your information, having that teacher heart. Thank you, James, really. That's that's special. Um, where can people find you? How can they follow along? How can they, you know, kind of ask you more questions or just be curious about what you're doing? Yeah. So James Q Quick on most social. Um, so Twitter is a big one that I spend a lot of time on. My website is jamesqquick.com. YouTube is jamesqquick. TikTok that I haven't done in a while is jamesqquick. And uh, yeah, you search, search the web somewhere for jamesqquick. I'm likely to pop up. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for our time. And uh, you want to give a little shout out to what's your podcast? Yeah, compressed.fm. So it's a weekly podcast about web development and design. Perfect. So if anyone's listening today and they're like, hey, I want to learn more about this, mm -hmm. I encourage them go there now. You're listening to a podcast now, right? What's one more in the queue? That's right. And uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of uh, value from that. So thank you again so much for our time today, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.